Hallelujah. How many want more of a vision of Him? Amen. We want more of a vision of Him. Oh, hallelujah. Let's, if you don't mind, turn your Bibles back to Jeremiah chapter 15. We've been talking on the Sermon on the Mount of discipleship. Of course, we've been talking about you being the light of the world. And you know, it's funny how you always go back. I always go back. I'm always taken back to Genesis. Always taken back to Genesis. And of course, we went there last week and we read in the message translation that out of darkness, a voice came out of darkness and spoke light. How many of you know that out of that voice also came the one who said, let us make man in our own image. So if he is light, he's made us to be light as he is light. And we can speak out of the darkness and we can shine to a darkened world. But it comes to having contact with our maker, with our master. And in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, it says, Your words were found. And this is just something I just gave you last week. But I, I pray you're meditating on these words. They're, they're deep. Your words were found. I've got to search for them. And in the Hebrew, that means I ate your words. I consumed your words. And they became part of my blood. Became part of the marrow of my bones. Became part of the foundation of who I am. Your words were found and I ate them. Your word was to me the joy of rejoicing of my heart. Or what it meant was that your word is the most agreeable thing in my life that I have. For I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. How many are called by the name of the Lord tonight? Oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are called by the name of the Lord your God. You are called by God and you are backed up by God. He is for you and who can be against you. You are called by the name and everything else has to bow before that name. And it says in verse 16, 17, I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers, nor did I rejoice. He was following what David wrote in Psalms chapter 1. And he didn't sit in the seat of those, nor did I rejoice. It says here, I sat alone because of your hand. How many of you ever felt the hand of God upon you? And, and I, I, I shared some about this last week, but it seems like since I've read this scripture, it's like God's been messing up my sleep time even more than already was. And you know, the, uh, just waking me up early in the morning or during the night or two or three, I got to go and start reading or praying. And, and today I was listening to a new CD that Cindy had got and, and it was talking about reawaken my love for you. And, and in this song, this sister was singing, I miss the times you'd wake me up to spend time with you. And, you know, it, it just came and I said, Lord, I praise you that you're waking me up because when you lose that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit waits a while before He woos you back into waking you up. And so if He wakes you up and you know He's wooing you and you wake up, it's easy to know when He's waking you up because usually you wake up with a spirit of prayer already activated in you. Or scriptures rolling around in your spirit. Or a need to go read the Word of God like some people get up for a mayonnaise tomato sandwich in the night or whatever. You just know that there's a Word waiting for you. Your Word was found. And so many times He looks for the sacrifice and, and, and like tonight, there's an atmosphere in this place tonight. And we're a smaller crowd, but it's a crowd of sacrifice. Because you sacrifice to be here. You sacrifice to make it, not worrying about the weather or whatever. You got here. And many times people say, oh, we had a small crowd. Oh, but a small crowd many times is your revival crowd. Because it's your sacrificial crowd. It's not, so much says it's all about numbers. Oh, God punished David for counting. It's not about numbers. It's about hearts that are hungry enough to say, I'm going. I'm going to be there. 
And it said here that uh, I, 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 I sat alone because of your hand upon me. And he goes on to say there in verse 19, Therefore thus saith the Lord, if you return, then I will bring you back. And you shall stand before me. Isn't that powerful? To stand before God. To stand before Adonai. To stand before Elohim. To stand before the Lord Jehovah. One God. But so many attributes. So many parts of His character. And He says, you will stand before me. And I will take out the, the precious from the vial. And, and you shall be my mouth. He says another one in the message translation. He says that led by you, I went off by myself. And he talked about God. Then he says, take back those words and I'll take you back. Then you'll stand tall before me. Use words truly and well. Don't stoop to cheap whining. Then, but only then, will you speak for me. Let your words change them. And so it talks here about standing before God. And I just want you to see an example with me over in Exodus chapter 20. Let's look at just a few examples. Exodus chapter 20. Because the darker the days get, the brighter the sons and the daughters are going to shine. How many of you know your stars? Amen? Your stars. Your stars on this earth. And you are guiding and leading them to the Savior. Not one in a manger, but who on who sits upon the throne. And it says here, and I want you to see as it gets dark and quiet. Look what happens in Exodus chapter 20. We didn't go here last week, so I want to just touch this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. And Moses said to the people, Don't fear, for God has come to test you, that His fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. God wants to separate you. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. How many wants to draw near to God in the thick darkness when you, you've lost self, sight of yourself and the things around you? Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, and he stood and he spoke to him. Now go with me to chapter 34 of Exodus. Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. And when you go stand before God, You'll never leave His presence the same. And so many times, you know, Pastor, why am I not growing faster? Why am I not maturing faster? Or why am I going through the same things over and over again? When you really get, you're led into His presence. And many times when you sit there alone or you stand before God in the awesomeness of His presence, you'll, you'll, you'll leave there changed. And you see it happen here to Moses in verse 29. Now it was so when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets in, in his hands that Moses did not know. He did not know. He was so lost in God, he didn't worry about what he looked like. When you get lost, when the worship gets so thick in here, you don't worry you don't have thoughts about what you look like, what you sound like. When you take off running, you don't care what you look like. You, you have the wind to run around two, three, four, six times, two miles, whatever. It's amazing you lose sight. And Moses didn't even know the skin on his face shone while he talked with him, the Lord Jehovah. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron, all the rules of the congregation, returned to him. And Moses talked with them. And after all the children of Israel came near and gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. 
And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses and the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put a veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Oh my. There's just something about going to the presence of God and being recharged. There's just something about going to the presence of God. And, and Lord, no matter what, just... Lord, examine as David prayed. Examine my heart. If there be any wicked way in me, try me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, I'm not afraid to come before your throne of grace. I'm not afraid to come before your throne and for us to see each other face to face because I want your work to be done completely in me. Now look at Revelations chapter 1. I want to show you another example here about getting in the presence of God. It says that Moses went in even though it was so dark. He had to get it, enter into that fellowship, even when I don't know what to do. Revelations 1, verse 17. Well, we'll, we'll start with the end of... Uh, look at verse 10. I love the Living Bible. It says, It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the Spirit. Is this something that it tells us what he was doing so he could have an encounter with God? I was worshiping in the Spirit. Say in the Spirit. He wasn't doing anything out of routine or flesh. He was in the Spirit. And suddenly I heard a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches. And it goes on to say in the living message translation, I turned and saw the voice. What did he see? A gold menorah. With seven branches. And in the center it was the Son of Man. In a robe of gold breastplate. Hair blizzard of white. Eyes pouring fire blaze. Both feet furnished fire bronze. His voice a cataract. A, 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 cat, cat and right hand holding seven stars. And his mouth seven biting swords. And his face as the sun. And I saw this and fainted dead at his feet and his right hand pulled me upright and his voice reassured me, do not fear. I am the first and I am the last. I am alive. I died, but I came to life. (laughs) And my life is now forever. See these keys in my hand? They open the door and lock death's door and they open and lock hell's gates. Now write down everything you see and the things that are things that are to be. Oh, how many of you know that was an encounter you never forget? Amen. Look at me with me, Revelations chapter 22. Revelations chapter 22. You know, I know many of us here, we have had encounters like this. Where just the awesomeness of God and the fire in His eyes. I've seen the fire in His eyes and it's consumed you too. You can't make out the face because you're so lost. And looking at the fire in his eyes and just consumed in his presence. And that's where God is wanting to take you. God is wanting to take you into his presence. You have a personal revival in his presence. Write down a journal and write down what God is speaking to you. Not only what he's speaking to the church, but what he's speaking to you. What he speaks to you, he is usually speaking to the church. Because how many of you know we're all pretty much walking in the same place? Amen. But then look at Revelations chapter 22, verse 1. And this is when we're going to be in His presence for good. And the angel showed me water life river, crystal bright. It flowed from the throne of God and the Lamb. Right down the middle of the street, the tree of life was planted on each side of the river, producing twelve kinds of fruit. 
a ripe fruit for each month. And the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. Never again was anything to be cursed. The throne of God and of the Lamb is at the center. His servants will offer God's sacrifice, worshiping. Now listen to this. They look on His face and their foreheads mirror God. They look in His face and their foreheads mirror God. When it talks about the light of God, how many of you know it's also talking about the voice of God? When we look into the face of God and we look into the Word of God, into the Spirit of God, even our voice, and we saw that a while ago in Jeremiah, our voice mirrors God's voice. The reflection of God mirrors out of our face. And it goes on to say, never again will there be any night. No one will need lamplight or sunlight. The shining of God, the Master, is all the light anyone needs. And they will rule with Him. Age after age after age. Oh, glory be to God. Age after age after age. We'll never have to worry about sickness or disease or medicine or time. We'll never have to worry about resentment or anger. We'll be made in the image of God day after day. Just not even night interrupting. Just worshiping and and praising Him. The spiritual radiance of all that He is. David said in Psalms 18.28, For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Amen. Now something I want to share with you, uh, going back to our main text. We don't have to go there right now. But in in Matthew chapter 5 verse 15 where it says... It uh, talks about us being the light of the world and it talks about us taking a lamp and not putting it underneath a bushel. And there's something there. Let's do look there. Let me show something for you since it's amazing. Uh, so many uh, parents talked about their children tonight before service, older children. I want you to see something that I thought was amazing. It says in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do the light a lamp and put it under a basket. But, and look at this last part right here. But on a lampstand, it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Wow. Now, doesn't Peter say, or James, I'm sorry, say, that an unbelieving husband will be converted not by the words of his wife, but by the life that she lives or the light. And, you know, we hear a lot of emphasis. And I read this today. I said, wow, we hear so much emphasis about being the light of the world. But he starts off talking about being the light in your own house. You know, we can come to prayer meeting last night. We had it was thick in here last night, but we can come to prayer meeting and we can we can. I mean, everything's perfect. We could come to church and everything's perfect, but it's day in, day out, in the circumstances, in difficulties, in good times, in hard times. You are a light in your house, and you know. It talks about not hiding that light at home. Or in other words, what you are in front of people, you ought to be when you get home. You don't get home and the bushel talks about the flour or the meal that we don't live by only uh, the natural things. We live by the Word of God. 
And when you get home, you don't hide the Word of God from Sunday to Sunday. You continue to be that light. If you can live a life that impacts your wife, your husband, and your children at home, then God says, I'm going to, in the next verse, I'll be able to use you to be a light in the world. And you know, so many times... People go to Bible school and people do studies and people put so much into, I want to study and, and I want to be a, I want to be a, 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 such a strong minister of music or I want to be used by God with the youth or I want to be used by God in the prison or I want to be used by God as a deacon or an elder. I want to be used by God. And the Lord saying the first thing you need to do, if you want to be used by me, I want to use you first of all in your own home. Be a light in your home. Why do my boys know to change the channel? Because they see daddy changes the channel. Why do they see? I'm not ashamed. My boys see me weeping over at a song or, or praising God or them catching me on my knees or whatever. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that because I know that I'm being a light to them because I used to catch my daddy on his knees. And here I am going to be 45 and I still remember very vivid all the times I caught my daddy on his knees. Now when he first got saved, uh, my mom and I caught him and he said he was looking for something he lost. <laughs> but after he got off the embarrassment part, then he started saying, he didn't even answer, he didn't worry about what we thought. Because he was lost where God is. And so I, I read that I started thinking, it says, Let your, your light has to be shown in the house. That, that parents are the greatest preachers their kids are ever going to hear and see. And so the light of God, the perfections, the, the, uh, the word light there, the word radiance speaks of a light that is a combination of all the known colors. Symbols of perfection and attributes of God. And so I thought tonight what I might do, how many of you, could, could I just uh, give y'all... Uh, the definitions of what the colors mean in the positive, glorious sense. I'm going to give you this tonight, okay? Number one, I bet you could tell me what red stands for. It stands for the blood, but let me tell you what else. Red stands for atonement. And th- these colors that I'll be giving you is so important because if have you ever dreamed in colors? Or maybe you're asking God to speak to you. And somebody give you something and you look at the colors and the Lord said, I'm telling you something out of this. Because the Lord speaks to you prophetically even out of things. So the word, the, the red, color red means atonement. It also means boldness. You may dream of somebody in a red shirt. Or you may dream of yourself. I had a red shirt. What did that mean? God's giving you a stronger spirit of boldness. The word, color red also means cleansing. Cleansing. Red stands for cleansing. And if you don't have time to write all of these down, you you can get the CD. But it talks about cleansing. Red also stands for courage. Courage. Red stands for fire. Red stands for God's wrath. Also stands for the justification of God. Red stands for the life in Christ. It stands for the love of God. Red stands for military service and spiritual warfare. It stands for redemption, sacrifice, salvation, the cross.
Now, just telling you what these colors mean, I don't want to encourage you that when you see the flag ministry really start developing and you see more people working in the flag ministry and waving the different flag ministries, when you study on these colors, you'll realize these colors are made from, from priests of the Lord, these banners. And when they're waving these banners and worshiping God, and when you see these different colors, it's to remind you, hey, you know what? Red means I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. It means that I have courage and I have boldness to go into the presence of God. And then I'm called to be a warrior for the Lord. So you think of all these different things. And I won't give you all the scriptures because there's so many scripture references. But let me give you the color of orange. Orange stands for compassion. I had somebody just tell me the other day, they dreamed of an orange and they were tearing the, the orange peelings off. So here you go. You're dreaming about an orange. Of course, that's an orange of a fruit, but this is the color orange. It means compassion, enthusiasm. Sister Sharon's got an orange shirt on. She's enthused tonight. Hallelujah. Enthusiasm. It means joy. Orange stands for joy. It also stands for passion, warmth. And it stands for wisdom. Passion, warmth, and wisdom. And these colors radiate, and all these different colors represent God. And how many know you see orange in the rainbow? You see red in the rainbow. But you know one thing that, that got me so stirred up last night as I was looking on the web, uh, planning on bringing the family, we want to go see the World War II Museum in New Orleans for our vacation, right there in New Orleans. And just looking on the New Orleans site, they have a whole section, right when you get on the New Orleans site, a whole section for gay and lesbian tourists. Right on their front page, immediately, gay and lesbian tourists. And you know what their symbol is? All kind of little people standing on top of a rainbow. And I thought, that's like the devil. He's always a counterfeiter. We have the Christ. He has the Antichrist spirit. And that's just like the enemy to want to, to just take God, what God means, a covenant of peace. And turn into a symbol of, of, of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. But we know these colors were, were created by God for us. So we were learning these colors. The, the, the color yellow stands for the anointing oil used by Aaron and Samuel. The anointing oil. The color yellow represents celebration, faith, kingship. Yellow stands for knowledge. It also stands for the refining process because fire many times looks yellow when it's very hot and it's, you're going through the refining fire of the Spirit. It stands for the refining, refining process. It stands for spiritual enlightenment. When you, you dream or you see the color yellow, it stands for the divine nature of Jesus. Yellow stands for the Shekinah glory of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? The Shekinah glory of God. The very presence of God. Yellow represents the throne of God. The throne of God. Yellow also represents truth and words of wisdom. Truth and words of wisdom. So as, so as you take these notes and you study these colors, don't forget that if you dream these or, 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 or if your child, let's please listen to your children. It's amazing what they'll dream 
and they'll come tell you, and, and the Holy Spirit can be speaking through them to you. And they may say, I, I dreamed of something yellow last night, and instead of just saying, oh, okay, well, that's good, baby, go, go back and play. Listen to what they're saying, going, wow, you dreamed of yellow? That meant you dreamed of the anointing and celebration, uh, the Shekinah glory, the throne of God. Also, let me tell you about green. Green represents abundance, freshness. Green represents growth. Green represents healing. Green represents hope, life, and peace. Hope, life, and peace. Green represents prosperity. And get this, green represents victory over death. And it represents youthfulness. How many could use a little bit of green in your life? You know how the slogan right now on TV is, go green? I receive that in Jesus' name. I receive that in Jesus' name. Youthfulness and prosperity and fullness. Amen. I'm I'm going green. Look at yourself. I'm going green. I'm going green. It doesn't mean I'm saving my milk cans either. I'm going green. Hallelujah. Okay, blue. Blue means authority. How many's got a little bit of blue in them? Amen. Blue means authority. Means divine revelation. Hope. Divine revelation and hope. Faithfulness. Blue represents integrity. Justice. Integrity, justice. Loyalty. Peace. Blue represents the Holy Spirit. And the river of God. The river of God. Praise God. Violet. I just give you a few more. Violet. Whenever you see a rainbow, you just start thinking about all those colors are saying. They're prophesying over our region. They're prophesying over our city. Amen. <laughs> Violet means infinite power. The infinite power of God. Majesty. Speaks of reigning with Christ in heavenly places. Of course, it represents royalty, sovereignty, represents the supernatural, and it represents worship. Violet represents worship, the supernatural. Wow. How many are going to receive a white robe when you get to glory? Let me tell you what white means. A ripened harvest. A ripened harvest. White speaks of angels. Speaks of God's goodness. White speaks of holiness. Innocence. And peace. White speaks of purity. Surrender. Triumph. And white speaks of the bride of Christ. Oh, hallelujah.
silver. The color silver. Y'all find this interesting? Okay, good, good. You never know. Silver. Silver stands for redemption. You've been paid for. Jesus was betrayed with silver. Silver stands for redemption. It also stands for the promises of the Lord. Last year, my wife and I celebrated our silver, our silver anniversary. So we're still promising. Uh, it stands for the refining process. Silver represents the words of the saints. I'll give you two more. Brown. And this is what we're going to be speaking about. More or less this right here. Clay vessels. Brown represents clay vessels. Brown represents humanity. But it represents humility. Humanity and humility. And then gray. Gray represents ashes. Aren't you glad he gave you beauty for ashes? He's given you beauty for ashes. Amen. He's given you all the other colors instead of gray. But it also means death to the old man. Death to the old man. And renewal to the life of our spirit. Gray means dignity, glory, and honor. Hallelujah. Amen. If you need any of these, I can give you to them later. But I just want to try to wrap this up tonight. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it talks about the lamp. Say lamp. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? How many of our bodies, can you imagine our bodies is the dwelling place of God? I was doing a study this afternoon. Cindy was doing a study for school. I was studying uh, a study on the Trinity. And when you start getting into everything about all that who the Godhead and, and, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that, you know, here they are, the, the, just the, 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 you can't even explain them. And they've chosen you and I as their vessels of clay to live in. And, it's, and I want to give you right here the word oil, a lamp. It says that the lampstand was seen in all the homes because we talked about you don't want to hide your light in your own house. And when you go into all the homes in Jesus' day, they would have a little wooden stand with a little clay lamp. And it was just a little humble lamp. But how many of you know without it you couldn't see? So that means everybody is important. You know, I've seen movies, you've seen some of these old movies where they show like, especially in England and, and in the uh, 1800s, they would have an elderly man who'd go around, his job was going around and light the uh, light fixtures at night. And when you'd see him coming, you knew what he was going to do. He's going to light the lights on each side of the road. And, you know, as he was lighting one, you wouldn't pay much attention to it. But as he would continue going down the road lighting his lights, you would see this in the movies, isn't it something that when he would disappear, he wasn't seen anymore, but his lights were still seen? And so many times we do things that we think are so insignificant. And so many times we think we say things that 
you know, I, I, I can't say things adequate like I want to, or I tried to encourage them, but I just didn't know what to say. How many of you know, sometimes you just listen to somebody, touch, grab them by the hand, listen to them, and just, the Holy Spirit may just have you say a word or two, or just a few words, just to tell I love you, and they can feel the sincerity, not only of you, but they can feel the Father saying, I love you through you. And when they don't see you anymore, and they're laying down at night, and they're laying on the pillow, you know what comes to their, into their mind? Brother Ricky saying, God saying, I love you, using Ricky's voice. And they go, you know, when he looked at me and he said, I love you in the Lord. That wasn't Ricky saying that. I felt something supernatural in that I love you. And the lamp is something so simple. It was so simple in those days. Just so easy. But, but listen, it was made out of these ingredients. And we are the lamps of God. So number one, oil. And you know, you think, you know, people take oil for granted. But oil was used for anointing kings. You are kings unto God. The Word of God says, because we've been purchased by the blood, you are a king before God. So don't ever forget that part of that being a light to your family, a light in your home, a light to the world, is the kingship, the oil of God. Uh, kings were anointed. Priests were anointed. Prophets were all anointed. Oil is the substance for illumination. You hear about in the parable of the ten virgins the importance of oil. Why? Life is in the oil because life is in light. So we see about the oil here. Next thing you see about a lamp in those days was the wick. And write this down. The wick represents the human spirit. The wick represents the human spirit. In Proverbs 20 verse 27, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. We read also in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit quickens our human spirit or makes it alive. But how many of you know that a lamp doesn't work unless you, you trim the wick? I mean, our first churches in Central America, we had kerosene lamps. That was our light. And boy, if you didn't trim those wicks, black smoke would be coming all over. And, and you've seen that before too. You've got to trim those wicks. So in other words, for us to be lamps in this day, to receive the oil, we've got to have our wicks trimmed. In other words, we have, have to have our live daily crucifying our flesh. Bringing our humanity in control. If we're going to be a lamp for the Holy Spirit to fill, we've got to have our human side under control. It must be trimmed and kept clean through discipline and and the purifying of the power of the word. With the oil and with the wick comes the flame. The flame. John chapter 1 verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And his life is made real in and through us. John 8.12 says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have light of life. So how many know he has entrusted us to be his lamps? Amen. So let me give you a few things here as we get ready to finish. Number one, we are here to shine. Our function is to shine. Amen. So at work, you need to be believing God. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father, that you are anointing me to shine at work, anointing me to shine at home. Um, and then in, uh, I want you to see in Matthew chapter 5, it says in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So also we are for public witnesses. Romans 1, 8. Listen to this. It says, Your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. How many of you know that's talking about being a public witness? You know, people talk. You, you hear people who talk about people that they knew in churches, knew in their life. Uh, some old lady maybe 
that, that uh, nobody paid much attention to her, but once she was gone, they used to say, boy, how that lady would pray. She was here every service. I wish I, wish I could have inherited her Bible. I wish I could have had her Bible and just seen the notes. And it's amazing. If you've ever looked at one of their Bibles and you open it up, there are the names of the great-great-grandchildren. The names of the pastors who's been through that church. And that little lady would just sit there and pray and pray and pray. Why? Because she was a witness to the world. She, she took her job seriously. If it was just interceding, she was going to intercede. And it goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians 1.8, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. So what we can do with light is, is so important. We uh, took the young people to a, a, a concert a few weeks ago. We went and seen a Mercy Me. And, uh, you know, so many times we think, you know, who am I? But in this concert, it was pitch dark. Casting crowns. It was pitch dark. But everybody started, uh, I ain't myself, everybody started putting this, taking their cell phones out. And they all put their cell phones on. And started doing this number right here. And when you get 10,000 people and they all open up their cell phone, that auditorium is huge compared to one little cell phone. But when everybody opened up their cell phone, the place lit up. That's what we are. Alone, we stand alone. Look at that little bug, that little light bug. But when we all allow our wicks to be trimmed and the work to be done in our life and the oil come in our lamps, when we all light up, the whole world can see that there's something going on. Amen. It goes on to say in verse 16 of uh, chapter 5, Let your light so shine before men, and let your good deeds shine out, of, out for all to see, so that everyone will praise, everyone will praise your heavenly Father. How many of you know the reason we want to be lights that shine in this day? We want God to get all the glory and all the praise. Moses didn't even know his face was shining. It's not important what I look like. It's important that he is shining through me. Amen. Let me give you these few things here that's important. Number one, according to John 8 verse 12, light dispels darkness. If we're going to walk in the light, light will dispel darkness. When you, when you have been spending time with the Holy Spirit and you've been walking, uh, spending time praying and worshiping, it's amazing how many times things on TV is just so quenching and that you've got to change the channel right quick. You've got to do something because light just dispels darkness. It overcomes darkness. You don't want darkness to overcome it. But let me tell you something else about light. Light doesn't only dispel darkness. According to Ephesians 5 verse 13, light discovers danger. Light discovers danger. I talked last week about when my car, the alternator was going out and we were driving down this road, but we couldn't see because the alternator went out and the lights weren't working. How many have ever been somewhere, maybe you've seen a movie where they've, they've been walking, all of a sudden they turn the torch on and when they, or the flashlight, when they look, they're standing on the edge of the cliff. If they hadn't turned the light on, they could have fallen. Well, that's how it is in our life. Light shows danger. A lot of times we're living in an area in our mind, in our imagination, in our thought that could be very dangerous. But when we open the Word of God and start praying, that Word, that Spirit can all of a sudden show us you're walking on dangerous ground. Light shows us danger. 
Can you imagine that if they're doing road construction and they never would put those boards, those lights flashing, how many people would just keep right, huh, brother? How many people would go right through them to their death? Why? Light means danger. Brothers and sisters, in these last days, my brother was talking about hearing about Jesus is coming soon. That means we've got to walk even more in the light. We want the light of God. This is dangerous. This is a dangerous relationship. That's a dangerous conversation. Those are dangerous friendships. That's a dangerous doctrine. That's a doctrine of devils that many in the last days will give heed to. The light of God starts going danger, danger, danger. So light shows us the dangers, discovers the dangers, but also, according to Proverbs 4.18, write this down, light gives direction. When I have a light, I know what direction to go into. Thank God for the light. And so many times, how many of you have ever, I know in your life, God lightens up something that you've went through, and then you realize, oh my God, thank you for saving me from that situation. The first time I, 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 we were in the Andes Mountains, Cindy didn't go with me. I wanted to go to uh, Vijasson up on the Bolivian border, and I went with a friend of mine. And uh, it was uh, 14,000 feet above sea level, way up in the Andes Mountains, and so we had to go by bus. So we went by bus, and it took a number of hours, and we got there in the morning and everything. But we went during the nighttime, and I saw the bus driver once in a while light up a cigarette, take his hands off the steering wheel, and light a, light a cigarette, you know, with a match or something, and then keep on driving. Well, I didn't think nothing of it. But the, the, the day after, when I was coming down 14,000 feet in daylight, and you could see the bottom of the cliffs, and that when we got to what was called curvas blancas, white curves, where the bus driver had to swing the rear end of the, make the bus slide in the gravels. And I was in the back seat coming home. And when I looked down, I could not see the road, but I could see buses and cars that had fallen down. And now we're all pieces and everything. Now, I, I thank God I didn't see that that night when he's driving not, with no hands. But the next day when he's making that bus turn like that and I'm looking and I don't see anything, light is, I'm discovering things that I wish, I wish I would, oh, I should have went back home at night because I was holding on like that would have done any good, you know. But it's amazing what, it's amazing how much danger light can reveal. And then it's amazing the direction that light can give you when you don't know where to go. Light gives direction. Amen. So, Anyway, we want to be light of the world, but we also want to be able to use to help others discover dangers in their life. And we also want to help others discover the direction of the Holy Spirit for their life. Amen. So let's stand up.